0: binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body, and be thankful. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Selena, for reading our scripture lesson this morning. And again, we say our thanks to our worship band, did an awesome job of leading us in worship today. As we prepare to hear God's word, I want to i encourage you, if you hadn't already done so, you were handed, handed out today. If you didn't get one, you can get that. Uh, inside, there's a study guide that we're encouraging you to read God's Word daily on your own uh, with a partner or a friend, a family, a small group. It's so a way for you to study these things we're talking about in this sermon series and a um, way for you to make that uh, good spiritual discipline and habit of reading God's Word on a daily basis. So well, I hope you'll take that home and do it. There's also a place there that... Uh, made for you to make some sermon notes and things you might want to remember, so I hope you'll take the time to do that as well. Let's pray together before we get started. <clears throat> Lord God, we just ask now for your Holy Spirit to lead us. Um, God, in, in your word, you communicate your will for our lives. You communicate your love for us. And so help us to hear that today, Lord. I pray that you will enable me to proclaim your word in a way that glorifies you, God. Above all, use this time, God, to shape us, mold us, and the people that you call us and have created us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we're continuing a series of sermons on forgiveness. Last week we looked at how we are in need of God's forgiveness and how we can access God's forgiveness and uh, ask for that. This week we're going to be talking about our need for forgiveness in the context of our intimate relationships if you 're married uh, this is going to apply to your marriage if you 're uh, romantically involved with someone this will apply to that as well because these relationships cannot sustain without forgiveness for those of you who are not married or for those of you who are you know to be at some point in your life or whatever these are going to be things that will help you to connect and relate with that when that day comes but uh, we all encounter these relationships at some point recently I came across some wisdom um, uh, some recommendations from Uh, how you can stay in marriage over a long period of time and not fall into the pitfalls that some people fall into marriage. Uh, This actually came from a woman in her 70s who's been married over 50 years, and she had this bit of wisdom. She said, trouble in marriage often starts when a man gets so busy earning his salt, he forgets his sugar. (laughs) She says, when a man marries a woman, they become one. The trouble starts, and they try to decide which one, (laughs) right? I like this. She said, if a man... Has enough horse sense to treat his wife like a thoroughbred. She'll never become like an old nag. I'm oh, sorry, my words. Those are their words. <laughs> if only it was that easy, right? If only it was that easy. Uh, anyone who has ever been married or is married, you know that marriage is hard work. Uh, it's just, it's just hard work. Uh, uh, sustaining an intimate relationship over a long period of time is hard. There are times you look at the person that you're married to and you say, "I had no idea it would be this hard," right? Uh, Marie and I uh, my wife have, I have been married um, we 're going to be celebrating thirty eight years this December and got married at a young age <clears throat> and uh, And I can remember back to those days when we were in, you know, falling in love and, and, and planning on getting married. It was kind of a euphoric time in our lives. Uh, there was the anticipation of getting married, and then there was the the wedding ceremony and then there was the lavish honeymoon in a lake camp house in December with no heat. <laughs> course, we didn't care about that back in those days, but, but then there was uh, being with our parents for several months, uh, waiting to we got our first house purchased, and that, that whole first year was just like a wonderful adventure, but then reality <laughs> set in. Now, these are two very different human beings. They come from different walks of life, different backgrounds. Um, they, they don't think the same. Uh, they don't look at the world the same way. Their brain chemistry and the physiology are radically different. Uh, their they experiences in life are, are different. And these two people are now going to come together and try to live in close quarters with one another for the rest of their life. Are you kidding? <laughs> How does that happen? Well, it happens through a lot of hard work. That's it. <clears throat> and uh, it's important to recognize that marriage isn't sustained on those romantic feelings that we have for one another, as important as those are. Uh, marriage is often sustained by sheer willpower, by perseverance hard work, determination, and a lot of forgiveness. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Now, the reason that forgiveness is so important to not only the marriage relationships and our relationships, intimate relationship with others, it's important to all of life because, you know, no relationship can be sustained without it. But it's important to talk about it because as human beings, we struggle with what we call sin. Last week we talked about this, if you were with us. In the Old Testament, the word that is translated most often for sin is um, the word that means to stray from the path, to stray from the path. In the New Testament, the word that is most often translated for sin means to miss the mark. And in both of those definitions of sin, uh, there's the implication that there is a path that we are meant to follow in life. God has a will for us when it comes to our marriage relationships and our intimate relationships with others. The challenge is, is that we don't always follow that path. We tend to stray from the path. We tend to miss the mark. We have this propensity to sin. And when we miss the mark, when we stray from the path, a a gap develops between us, a a wall of separation, a, a gap between what we should be and what we really are. And this gap causes us to have a separation in our relationship, not only with God, but with one another. And in this instance, with our significant other. So sin is that nature that causes us to stray from the path that God has created us to follow in life, to miss the mark. And as a result, a gap of separation is created between us. And so if you want to succeed in marriage, you need to know two things. You need to first of all understand what successful marriage looks like. And then because we have this propensity to sin and stray from the path and to miss the mark, there's this gap that develops between us. We need to understand What forgiveness really looks like. And when it comes to understanding what the path should really look like in marriage, we turn to the Bible, first of all, because the Bible has a lot of wisdom about God's will for us in this area of our lives. And there are lots of passages that we could uh, pull from on this subject, but the one that we have before us today, I, I often use it almost every wedding ceremony that I do because it's so important. Uh, These words are written by Paul, (coughs) the Apostle Paul, to the believers in Colossae. And he was writing them to help instruct them how they are to live together in the context of a Christian uh, community. But these words are very applicable and very appropriate for how we are to try to live together in the context of a Christian marriage. Paul says, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Take note of those five words: compassion, kindness, meekness, humility, patience. Folks, that's the mark. That's the path of what marriage should look like. And again, you know, when I when I visit with couples who are getting premarital counseling going before trying to get married, I always tell them, I say, if you will just do these five things. You're going to find it really hard to mess up your marriage. you just focus on these. <clears throat> There's, this is what the path of marriage looks like. But again, we, we don't tend to do this. That, that this is our challenge. Our problem is we, we don't always live according to that path. And when we don't uh, live according to that path, and when we've, we, we find it much more natural to uh, focus on our own needs rather than have compassion to, on the needs of others. We often speak with harshness. And our anger instead of being meek to one another. And patience. How we struggle with patience with each other, right? Well, in each of these ways, we stray from the path. We struggle with this. And when you stray from the path that God has created us to live in the context of marriage and intimate relationships, we often end up hurting the other person. And when we hurt the other person, the only way for reconciliation to take place is to seek forgiveness. Now, for our purposes today, I want to divide these sins that we tend to commit <clears throat> in the context of marriage into three categories small, medium, and large. Okay? Makes it easy to understand. Small, medium, and large. Because our response to the, each of these and our the, the the process of forgiveness for each of these is very different. And so we're going to divide it up that way. Let's talk first of all about the small things in our marriages. And here I want you to notice um, the, in verse 13 where Paul says that we are to clothe ourselves with meekness, kindness, compassion, uh, patience, humility. After he says that, the very next thing that he says that we are to do is that we are to bear with one another. In other words, we are to put up with each other in, in the context of marriage. So, and why does Paul say that? He says that because we're, we're human, because uh, you know, we, we make mistakes. We, we tend to stray from the path where we're called to be. Listen, the, the, the way that marriage works is that you have to be willing to put up with each other. You have to be willing to bear with each other and not focus on all the little stuff. Um, The truth is, there are certain things about me that are probably never going to change. I mean, I've tried to change some things about myself, but they just seem to be part of my nature. That's who I am. Uh, For instance, uh, my wife Marie and I, we don't share the same value when it comes to neatness and organization. You know, I, we, we just don't. I'm, I'm one of these persons who likes everything in, in a neat order and, and organized just right and clean and tidy and all that stuff. And I really can't relax when things are in chaos or not all in their place and in order and stuff. And I can't really function well. So I'm, I'm getting up trying to, you know, trying to relax. I said, no, i got to go fix this. I've got to make it <laughs> clean yourself or whatever. And then, I okay, now, now I can relax. That's just part of who I am. And I really don't understand why she doesn't share that same value with me. I just can't understand it, but she doesn't. And so we're the classic Martha and Mary when it comes to relationships. You know, I'm, the, the, uh, I'm Martha. I'm the busybody, neat freak, and she's the, the uh, Mary just living in the moment, right? And, uh, and, you know, what I've come to learn is that that's probably not going to change <laughs> after 38 years. You know, that's just not going to change. That's just the way we are. And I just had to come to accept that. Uh, that's, just, that's, that's just life. This this is why I think the Apostle Paul says that uh, in the next verse, he says, if anyone has a complaint against the other, uh, they are to forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, you should also forgive one another. Now, we've been uh, using this analogy of stones in this series of sermons uh, to represent the uh, sins and the burdens that we commit in life and that we carry around with us. Because when you commit these things and there's not a confession and repentance to God and a and uh seeking forgiveness, we carry these things around us with us. These are this backpack represents our, our souls, our lives. And and some of these uh sins that we commit in life are are small little things. I mean, these are things that we do, you know, we don't intentionally want to hurt each other, but we do hurt each other in the course of life, little things we say and, and little things we, we do or, or don't do and and often those are, are things we carry around with us, the hurt from that. Um, but the truth is You know, we're not meant to carry those things around. We don't want to carry those things around. I I, I give an example of something that Marie and I have tried to work on in our relationship, From a small thing, was that uh, Marie had this habit of doing things around the house, maybe buying a new dress or uh, fingernails or, you know, whatever it is, maybe doing something to her hair, and she wouldn't tell me about it. And I'd come home, and she'd just wait, you know, until I noticed it. Of course, I didn't notice it, you know, and and so I'm just like, uh, during the day, I'm sensing this this separation, this distance growing between us, and I'm like, okay, something's not right, I don't know what's going on, something's not right, and about bedtime, she says, well, he didn't say anything about what I did I in the living room. He didn't say anything about my new dress. So you must not like it. I'm like, what new dress? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know. It's not that I don't like it. I, I just didn't notice it. And you know, so, uh, so now she's learned <coughs> pretty well that she tells me when I come home those things that she's done. So it gives me the chance to be able to say, oh yeah, I love the dress, or I, I like, you know, I like this or that. Uh, but she she could have not told me that, and she could have uh, just just taken those things and just kept them. You know, put them in her heart. So every time something like that would happen, she'd say, yep. That's, that's another example. He doesn't care. He doesn't love me. See, he doesn't notice. Uh, she could have done that. And that's often what we do with these small things in our life. This is why when it comes to the, the small things that happen to our lives, we're, what Paul says, we're supposed to bear with one another. <laughs> you know, we're supposed to say to one another, or say to ourselves, you know, I know that he loves me. It's just that he didn't notice. And it's not like he doesn't love me, doesn't care. He just didn't notice. I mean, I'm not going to sweat the little things. I'm not going to let those things fill up my life with negativity. And so with those kind of things, you know, we're called to let those go. We don't need to sweat the small stuff in life when it comes to our marriage relationships. But you have to realize those small things can become big things if we don't attend to them, if we don't uh, deal with that. And so if you've got something that's going on, that's repeating itself over and over again, it's, it's growing in your resentment and it's becoming more serious for you, then you need to talk about those things. But you need to do it in the spirit that Paul instructs us to when he says, you are to do that with kindness, with meekness, humility, patience, uh, compassion with one another. That way the small things don't become big things. But more often than not, we don't let the little things go. We tend to want to hold on to those things, and so what we need, what we need to learn is how to, to change our accounting procedures in marriage. Uh, you know what accounting procedures are. You have this ledger, and you record debits, and you record credits. Well, what I find interesting in marriage is that when we record stuff in marriage relationships, we tend not to record the credits. We only record the debits. Amen. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, we only focus on those things that when somebody does something wrong, or somebody hurts my feelings, or they didn't didn't do this or that, and we we remember that. and we, we keep record of that, but we don't keep record of the credits. We you know when those things happen, we're always saying, oh, there's there's another example. There's see see he doesn't care. Or no, she doesn't she doesn't care about me. So we we keep up with those things. Here's the thing. If that's your accounting procedure in marriage. Will you only keep record of the debits and not the credits, then you're going to find your marriage is a miserable existence. So what I want to encourage you to do is to reverse that when it comes to the small things that happen in your relationship. What would happen if you only kept record of the credits and not of the debits? Paul says at the end of this passage that we have for us today, he said, after all these things, he says, but remember, always be thankful. Always have an attitude of gratitude toward the other. Always be thankful. At the end of 1 Corinthians 13, he says, love keeps no record of wrongdoing. When we change our accounting procedure in our marriages in relationships like this, then you're going to find much greater joy uh, than you would if you only focus on the negative. You're going to find this helps you to see the other person in a different way. It helps you to change your heart toward the other. It can transform your relationship, the dynamics that are there. So, as Paul says, we learn to bear with one another, and we focus on the things we're thankful for in our relationship. Now, you need to recognize that this advice doesn't really work when it comes to the medium-sized stones in our relationship. Uh, These are the things that you really can't just let go of. These are things that, um, you know, like when there's dishonesty, in relationship, or when there are words that are said and that are hurtful to one another, or maybe there's humiliation that we give to one another. And when we do this and do those things, and we're not seeking to say I'm sorry or forgiveness there, what we're actually doing is we're, we're putting these things into our spouse or into our significant other's life we're actually putting that pain in, into their lives and we're feeling that. Like, we wonder why there's, there's, we don't feel love anymore. We wonder why we don't feel the closeness, why we're not laughing together, why we're not wanting to be with each other anymore. It's because we put all this stuff into that person's life. And we've left it there. We haven't tried to make it right. And so it's really hard now. It's just really hard. And when we hurt each other in these ways, There are really only two responses that we have. One is to seek justice. The other is to seek mercy. What justice looks like is it's, you know, justice is trying to make things fair. It's um, trying to make them right. For some people, it's to get even. And when your partner never experiences mercy from you, when they never feel mercy or hear mercy from you, then more often than not, they're going to turn to seeking justice. What justice sounds like is, you have hurt me, so I am going to hurt you. Why should I do that for you when you've not done this for me? Or you've done this thing to me. That's justice. And when you practice this eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth in the context of marriage, what you end up is two people who are both blind and toothless.
1: And there's no joy in
0: that, right? Well, that's where we end up. So how do we experience forgiveness in the context of these median stones or sins that we see in marriage? Well, I think it's the same as what we learned last week in our relationship with God. The first step is the act of repentance. Repentance. And here I want to encourage you to write down four words in your sermon notes this morning that you can apply to your your relationships, intimate relationships with others. When it comes to forgiveness, the first step toward um, in these medium-sized sins that we commit in our relationships is that of awareness. You have to become aware that you've hurt the other, that you've done something that, or said something or not done something that hurts the other. You have to become aware of that. And then if uh, you become aware of it, you're, brought to the, you're supposed to be brought to the place of remorse or regret. Now, I don't know how it works for you, but in my marriage, when my wife Marie makes me aware of something that I've done that has hurt her, my first response is not often regret. It's not often remorse. It, it tends to be to be defensive. You know, I'm going to kind of, or, or wait a minute. I try to justify my position or make excuses for it. That tends to be my first step. So sometimes I have to take time and and think about it and become aware of the hurt that I put in her life. And then of course comes confession. And confession is always accompanied by forgiveness, a request for forgiveness. But the confession has to be sincere. I mean, a confession is not, "I'm sorry," but that thing that you did caused me to. That's, that's not a confession. Confession is not saying, I'm sorry, so now get over it. <clears throat> confession is a sincere, heartfelt regret for what you've done. It is saying to the other, I am so sorry. I love you. I never intend to want to hurt you. And I'm sorry that this has happened. Please forgive me. Let's make this right. Now, most of us are pretty good at those first three steps. But it's the fourth step is most important, and that is change. You know, it's, it's not enough confession to confess and say, I'm sorry, or to ask for forgiveness, and it just be that. You have to take that commitment to changing your behavior and not doing that thing anymore, at least trying not to. Now, will you do that thing again? Probably, because we're human and we tend to stray from the path, and sometimes you have to go back and you have to ask for forgiveness again. Remember how Jesus answered that question, how many times should we forgive? And Jesus said, not seven, but 70 times seven. I understand I'm talking in broad and general terms here. I mean, every situation is different. If you were to give me a, uh, a particular situation, I might counsel you different on this. But in most cases, in general terms, if your partner earnestly repents and asks for your forgiveness, then we are to show grace. We are to show mercy. As Paul says, as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive others. And aren't you grateful that God forgives us more than just one time? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine if God says, I forgave you once for that. I'm never going to forgive you again. You know, God forgives us. And we should forgive others. Now, when you repent, what you're doing is you're taking those stones out of your partner's life. You're saying to them, listen. I don't want you to carry this around with you anymore. Here, let me help and take that away from you. I, I don't want to burden you with that pain anymore. I, I don't want you to feel that way anymore. And so we're trying to take those stones that are burdening their life away from them. But sometimes, you know, your partner has, has tried to take these stones out of your life. They've tried to apologize. They've tried to make things right. But sometimes we don't want to let go. Sometimes we we say, I like this one. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, no, I'm not, I'm not going to let this one go because I can bring this one up when I need it and I can get even or I can, you uh, know, I can, uh, I, 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 it's got me leverage. No, I'm, I'm not going to let this go. And so we hold on to this. But let me ask you something who's, who's at fault now? Who's creating the wall now? Sometimes we find it difficult to let go. Of course, you know, our forgiveness is a process. It's something we have to have time. And and often when it comes to forgiveness, particularly in these medium stones, it's just a matter of sheer willpower. Sometimes you don't feel forgiveness, but you do it because you know that you need to do it. You should do it. And you also do it because you realize there is at some point you're going to need that same kind of forgiveness from the other. And that leads us to the next level of sin. And that's the larger stones. The kind of stones that threaten to destroy our relationship and destroy the other person. And when I think about these larger stones, I think of things like physical and psychological abuse. I think of addictions that drag the whole relationship down. I think of um, things like uh, serious betrayal of the other's trust. And, of course, Infidelity. And as we talk about these larger stones, I want to focus on that issue of infidelity because I think all of the other principles we're talking about here will apply to all these other larger stones. Infidelity is a serious problem in marriage today. It's growing statistically. Um, There are even television shows and websites that encourage it as a new norm and um, a new um, natural way of life and things. Um, But before you cast judgment on others, what we need to recognize is that any of us, given the right circumstances, could be tempted. That's why you need to recognize what those circumstances are. You need to build in healthy boundaries to protect and to keep those things from happening. Now, um, when it comes to violating another's trust with the uh, sin of infidelity, at the time, we don't really think about The the weight, the pain, the devastation that we're going to be placing in the other's life that we're betraying. We don't think about that at the time. But, you know, when we do something like that, infidelity, adultery and marriage, we're, we're like placing this huge stone in their life. And, you know, this... Even if, I, I, if even I could pick it up, I mean, I really can't carry that, but if I could pick it up, it would, it would tear this apart because this was never meant to carry this. And so what do we do with this? This is why Jesus, when he talked about divorce, he spoke very sternly because divorce was so commonplace in his culture. And he said, you "No, know, this is not God's will for us. But in the case of adultery, he made an exception. It's not that Jesus said every time there's adultery that happens in their relationship that you should get a divorce. He was just saying that in most relationships, this is just something that they can't overcome. It's too much devastation. Over the years, I have seen the devastation that's been caused from infidelity and how the destruction that has has taken place in people's lives. And I can tell you from my experience, at least half of those marriages who experience that don't survive. But at least half do. And strangely enough, with tremendous mercy and God's help, often those relationships can can become stronger than they were before doesn't always happen that way, but to some it does. Listen to how one woman I got her uh, testimony of how she struggled with infidelity, and I want to share it with you. She said, I wasn't sure at first that I wanted to forgive my husband, but I decided to try it. It helped that he admitted to the affair and said that he wanted to work to rebuild our marriage. I thought at first that I should forgive him because it was the right and Christian thing to do. but At the same time, I argue with myself that I should walk away because it just hurt too much. There wasn't a moment in time where I could say, okay, I've forgiven him. Forgiving him was something that I had to decide to do daily. You don't, you just don't let go of this. Uh, you have to work at this daily over a long period of time. It got easier over time, she says. I don't think that forgiving him was necessarily only for his sake. I needed to forgive him for any... Uh, For my sake as well, because if I didn't, the bitterness, the hurt, the anger was still in control of my actions and emotions. Besides forgiveness, we had to rebuild trust as well. In the beginning, I wanted to know when it wouldn't hurt anymore and when I wouldn't think about it every day. And again, there wasn't a mark in time when it didn't hurt as much as, as, as I was not thinking about it as much. But over time, it subsided. Therapy was another thing that helped us to get through that because we realized the problem wasn't just the affair. That was a presenting symptom to underlying problems in our relationship. I think that was the key, she said, for me to be able to eventually forgive. It was the realization that even though the affair was not my fault, I was at fault at some of the problems within our relationship. And on the the part of the husband, there was genuine repentance. That was the only way forward. Now, earlier we said that When you repent, you often get the opportunity, but understanding that we're human and we stray from the path, and sometimes we have to go back and we have to ask for repentance and that forgiveness again. But in this case, if you're lucky enough to get one do-over, and most don't, if you're lucky enough to get one, you need to be thankful because that's probably all you're going to get. And with this this, this kind of pain, you know, There's no way that your partner can get over this on their own. So you're going to have to help them with this. And you have to to reach out and you have to to try to to help this person with this because you don't forget this kind of stuff in a day. You don't forget it in a week. You don't forget it maybe in a year. I mean, you never forget it. Eventually, your partner may be able to let it go. It's not that they're going to forget it. They just choose not to think about it all the time as much. It's a decision to do that. And they offer grace. But now, who's carrying this? I and mean, if you're the one that committed adultery in your relationship or some other serious sin that is causing destruction to your relationship, you're the one that's having to carry the weight of this guilt, the shame, the pain of it. You have to carry the weight of knowing the pain and devastation that you place in your partner's life. What are you supposed to do with that? Well, this takes us back to what we talked about last week. You know, we know that God is willing to forgive the worst of sins. We know that. But often we struggle with letting go of those sins? Or do we hold on to it? We struggle to forgive ourselves. So how how do you rid yourself of of this kind of weight? You want to know how? Let me show you. give it to God. You honestly repent. You confess before God and you say, Lord, I am so sorry for what I've done. I'm so sorry for the pain and the hurt that I've placed in my loved one's life, the destruction I've caused, the people I love. God, please forgive me. Cast not your face from me. Wash me clean of my iniquities. Create a right spirit within me. That's the prayer of King David when he committed adultery with, his, with Bathsheba. He turned to God He repented. And if this is you and you're carrying this around with you, the weight of this kind of sin, then the, the word to you today is that Christ died on the cross to forgive us of our worst of sins. And Christ loves us. You know, he may not save your marriage, but we don't, he doesn't take away the consequences of our actions. But you can find joy again. You can find life again. It's the place to begin. And that spirit, I want to invite you to pray with me. You know, if you're one of these who is carrying a heavy burden of guilt and sin in your life, I want to invite you just to make that confession to God. Whatever that might be, whatever you're convicted of confessing to God in your own private prayer time, just say, God, please forgive me of this thing. Offer it to God. If there's not a one of us here in this room who hasn't been hurt by someone else, in the context of marriage and intimate relationships, we can be hurt most deeply. And if you're carrying around the weight of that, that's embittering your life and helping robbing you of joy, then I want to invite you to just offer that to God. Say, God, please help me. Help me to let these things go so that I may find life. Give me your strength, God. I can't do this on my own. Help me each day to trust in you. And then I invite you, for those of you who are married or in that significant relationship with another, to offer a prayer of thanksgiving for your spouse, for your significant other. Thank you, God, for this person, the blessings they bring in my life. Offer a prayer of gratitude for them in that relationship. God, help us to be people who seek not just justice, but mercy. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. By your grace, God, make us new. And help us to offer that same grace to others. If it means only one baby step at a time. With your help and your spirit, all things are possible. So, Lord, we offer these things to you today. In thanksgiving and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.